sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free, and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. What magic wand do you have? A really strong job report to start the year, finishing really after a very strong year last year. 2.6 million jobs created last year, and, and here the first month of this year, 304,000 net new jobs. That's more than economists had expected. And now, Stacy Washington. Hey there, welcome. Welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us today, and thanks for making your home at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's great to be with you, and it's great to have another jam-packed show for you. We are going to talk about how Attorney General Barr just shut down a court that was trying to overrule the Obama administration again. And it uh, looks like he's found his, his medal because he's ready to, to joust. He says asylum seekers will no longer be bonded out. I don't care what the court says. So we'll get into that. We'll unpack that. We have Kurt Schlichter on. He's going to join us to talk about the Mueller report, which is incoming the redacted Mueller report, of course. So it will be heavily redacted. And anything that is redacted will be an utter travesty for Democrats who will scream and whine and complain about how it just is impossible for them to get a fair shake out of anything coming out of the Mueller report because it didn't say that Donald Trump was a traitor. Mm. So whatever it's going to say, whatever we'll be able to read after we skip over the many, 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 many thousands of lines of redacted text, it's probably going to say something similar to what the summary written by A.G. Barr actually said. But, you know. Let's wait and see what happens, right? Incoming, less than 24 hours, uh, the wait will finally be over. We are also going to talk about uh, the, the report that President Trump is sending thousands of troops to the U.S. border. And I, I'm actually, I have to say, it's about time. Like, I know he sent a few last year. I know there were, you know, uh, there was a buildup, et cetera, et cetera. They had very limited rules of engagement, so it was difficult for them to actually do anything other than uh, shoring up fences and laying out concertina wire, but hopefully they'll have an expanded role this time and be able to really assist the border patrol in, uh, you know, accomplishing their mission, which is maintaining uh, a, some semblance of a sovereign nation with a border. Something, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so head over to StacyOnTheRight.com and hit the subscribe button. Also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all Stacy on the Right. Thank you so much to people who are tuning in via radio or on one of the live streams who maybe saw the Missouri Best in the Midwest documentary. Yes, guilty as charged. That's me. Um, it was fun this morning to hear some, from some friends that they actually didn't know that I did that for a living and that I that that was me. And so one friend relayed that she was at the car wash, you know, the big kind of waterways car washes where you sit inside and your car gets washed and then vacuumed out. And the documentary was on and Everyone in the waiting room was watching. <laughs> so then when her car was ready and she left, uh, that was over the weekend, she then gets ready this morning to come to the meeting that we were at together this morning. And um, it was on again. And so she got to catch another part of it that she hadn't seen. It's only 30 minutes long. So um, it was really cool to hear her reporting out that people are indeed seeing the documentary and learning about the process of reducing taxes here in the state of Missouri and um, kind of getting a, a – it gives you an, a – a view of what exactly um, goes into that kind of a process and what benefit Missourians will experience through that. So it was really fun to participate and it's super fun to hear people um, kind of saying, Hey, I saw that. I saw it. I saw it. So that's awesome. Um, it's running all over the state of Missouri uh, on every channel, various times you have to go to Missouri best in the Midwest or actually Missouri best Midwest, Missouri best Midwest.com. And you can watch the documentary there or you can find out where it's playing on a television near you. Um, so right now, I want to get into our encouragement. So you're tuned in, you're listening, you're sitting there, you may be driving in your car, or you're at work someplace, wherever you are. And um, I have a message for you. You were created for a purpose. 
so people say things about like if you're if you're in the public eye, people will say you're special or you know something like that. Um, not really. No, I I don't accept that at all. That's why I don't say you know fans and all that stuff. I don't. I'm that's not where I'm coming from. That's not where I'm dealing from. I feel like we all have a purpose. God has said we all have a purpose. We're all called for such a time as this, and we all have a role to play in spreading the gospel and bringing people to Jesus Christ. And so whatever your ministry area is, it's where you work, it's where you go to school, it's where you live, it's where you maybe pick up your kids from school or maybe the kids' school where you volunteer, wherever that is where you're interfacing with people, that's your ministry area. And you're called for a purpose, something that has to be done, that is you're uniquely gifted to do it and has to be done, and you're, you're the one who's supposed to be doing it. So you don't have to be special, quote unquote. Now, I do have that same feeling about there's certain people that when I watch them work or when I hear them speak and see the results that they're getting, that God is moving so mightily in them and doing so much through them that I feel like, you know, I always, my little analogy is I always say there's sparks flying off of them because they're, they're working that hard. But there's also this sense that they know what they're supposed to do and they're doing it and they're doing it with purpose. They're driving towards something. And it's so energizing and electrifying to be around people who are like that, people who know what they're supposed to do and they feel confident in it. And it's, it's more about just getting up and doing that thing every day as opposed to doing it some days, not doing it other days or, or the feeling that they get from it. Because you honestly, how can you know what feeling they're getting from it? So the scriptures that I have here for you is Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. So he calls each and every one of us to a purpose. And the question is, will you answer? Will you answer and say, yep, I I see that purpose and I'm going to walk in it. Sometimes the purpose means you're going to be in places where your your purpose is going to make other people uncomfortable or they're going to be uncomfortable with what you're saying, the truth that you're speaking or the fact that you're sharing the gospel. That's not meant to stop you or to slow you down. That's just a fact of the way the world works. That's the way life is. People are, you're always going to find some naysayers and people who are not happy with what you're doing or they don't like the way you're doing it or they want to add 20 cents in and kind of have a say in what's going on. And everyone has their opinion. Everyone has their right to, to share and express. But when you're walking in God's purpose, that sharing and that expression if it's godly and timely and meant to encourage you and to keep you on the right path, hey, more power to it. But if it's just there because other people have their opinions, that's not meant for, to slow you down or to change what you're doing. The other verse that I have for you is Ephesians 1.11. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So that's God. And when he's working things out for our good, he works things out for our good in conformity with his will. And it's pretty amazing if you think about that, the same will that spoke the universe into existence that is responsible for everything that we see and touch and hear and breathe and smell, that same being works things out. He chooses us in him. He predestines us for a purpose. He works the plan out in conformity with his own will. And so even when we are, <laughs> even when we stray, even when we step outside of what would be, like if you think about it, what would God have me do here? And then we choose the opposite. We, God still accomplishes his purposes in that. His will will be done. His will will be accomplished. So I want to encourage you that you were created for a purpose, you are an arrow, you, are, you have been loosed, you're speeding towards the mark. The mark is the high calling of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And there's someone, someone's more than one, who need to hear that truth from you, the gospel, that you would share it with them in your own way. Don't worry about being eloquent or a professional speaker. Don't worry about your comfort or ease with it. Share and let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work. You're not responsible for drawing people to Jesus Christ. People can only come to the Father if they are drawn by him. But it is your responsibility to share. 
to disciple others. Once you shared, once you know someone is a believer and they're young, you, you're bringing them along. You're encouraging them to come to church. You're inviting them to a Bible study. You're saying, hey, let's pray together. Oh, I noticed that you, you know, posted on Facebook that you have so-and-so. Let's pray about that. Here's some scripture to encourage you in that. Then that, that's your role in that. And there's so many people in your world that you're interacting with. It might be a little bit of prayer for this one. It might be that you're just interceding on someone's behalf quietly behind the scenes for someone else. And it might be open discipleship with yet another person. But what I'm saying is, I I hear sometimes people will say, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Well, that's not uh, an unknown feeling for us, but ask God. Say, Lord, what am I to do? What, What would you have me to do? We know that he will answer those prayers. We Not only do we know that, we have comfort in knowing that because he's real. He does not, you know, he's not like a statue that can't answer. He's intimately involved in every aspect of our lives from the smallest, tiny things that are annoyances to us, but they mean a lot to him because they concern us to those huge overarching issues, your health, your finances, relationships. He's in the mix there too. Rely on him. And know that you're called for a purpose and that you have something unique that you're gifted to do and God wants you to do it. And when you do, others will be blessed by it. I think of um, some women who they, they just run organizations at the school and on the surface, it looks like it's not that big of a deal, but the blessing that they're able to direct into the lives of the people who participate in those activities is untold the magnitude of what the people who participate experience because of these humble servants who say, I'm spending my time doing this. I'm devoting myself to this. I'll be there. Whether one person comes or a hundred come, I will be there. And when I'm there, I will bless the women who are there with me or the men who are participating in this or the parents or the students or what have you. And that is a person or persons who are walking in their purpose and that obedience. It brings many, many blessings, but it also is encouraging to other people who see it. It spurs us on. So we know I'm, I got I to gotta stay in my purpose. I got to stay in what God has for me and accomplish that goal. So you were created for a purpose. Don't forget it. All right. That was the encouragement for today. So yesterday I mentioned that, and this is, this is not meant to spark an argument for those of you who are e- easily t- triggered by information. Not trying to spark an argument with you about the appropriateness of the use of cannabis. Everybody knows where I stand on that. This is some... Uh, medical information from a study. And I actually am kind of surprised to see this because it didn't occur to me that this could be the case, but cannabis users needed up to twice the sedation for medical procedures. And this is information that they discovered when they start to study the effect of anesthesia on people who use cannabis. And the reason they're able to do a study like that now more widespread is because cannabis is legal in uh, a number of states and the use of it has become more widespread and mainstream. And so what they did was they looked at what 250 patients who required endoscopic procedures in Grand Junction, Colorado, what happened with them and their need of anesthesia. Now, we all know people, I know I do, who they get put down and in the middle of a root canal, they just wake up, you know, so they're not all the way down because you're not supposed to wake up until it's over or a person who wakes up in the middle of a surgery. This happens because the anesthesia, maybe the amount that was administered just wasn't enough for that person. But imagine if you have to pump in 14% more fentanyl or 20% more metazolam or 220% more propofol. These are the standard uh, anesthesia drugs that are used to put people under for surgeries. The study says, with continued increase in legalization and use of cannabis, the field of anesthesia and sedation needs further studies with greater depth. And this was published Monday in the Journal of American Osteopathic Association. This is important, something to think about, especially if you're using cannabis recreationally. Uh, you got to let your doctor know that so they know how to sedate you if you have to go under for surgery. All right, when we get back, we'll have Kurt Schlichter. Stay right there for Mars Stacy on the right.
on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, we took the spices that we'd prepared it and we went into the tomb. We found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When we went in, we didn't find the body of our Lord Jesus. Who took him? Where is he? Who took him? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Where's Jesus? He's not here. He has risen. Jesus was alive. He's alive. Jesus was betrayed, abandoned, mocked, beaten, and then crucified on a cross for sinners like you and me. The Son of God was buried, and after three days, He rose from that grave. American Family Radio encourages you to rejoice in the glorious reality that our God is a living God. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. When I was growing up, our family attended a church where the children sat there with the adults in the morning worship service. I can recall on more than one occasion as a little guy sitting there bored to tears, squirming around, wondering when this was going to be over. I always got excited, though, when the preacher would finally tell everybody to stand up and receive the benediction. I didn't know what the benediction was, but I knew that that was the signal that the service was over and we could get out of there. Well, what is a benediction? Is it just a conclusion of the service to say, hey, it's over now, see you later, go to the restaurant, go home, go watch the game, whatever it is you're going to do, this is it? No. Listen to this solemn benediction from Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27. Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and then I will bless them. Right here in this text, we see that God's benediction is a plea, first of all, for happiness and protection. Number two, a benediction is a plea for glory and grace. Then number three, favor and peace, that God will go with you and cause you to prosper and that you'll experience his peace. Here's what I want you to remember today. The next time you hear the benediction perk up, not because the service is over and it's time to eat, but because God has a very special blessing he wants to send with you as you go. More information. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. We have um, a little bit of call screener software issue going on here because I don't see anything on there. So I'm not sure if we have our guest ready or not. Um, I want to also, okay, still working on getting the guest, so don't, no worries there. Um, we're going to have Kurt Schlichter with us in just a little bit. Um, I did mention while we were uh, kind of going over everything yesterday that the court allowed the return of asylum seekers to Mexico. But the second part of that is that Attorney General Barr overruled the court decision making asylum seekers eligible for release on bond. Now, this is, again, it's it's chestnut checkers. It's, you know, you have to get the rules and the laws, all of them, you have to get them all out and comb over them with a fine-tooth comb and find ways to subvert this activist judicial system that currently works against the interests of American citizens, which is funny that we can, I can say that now with, I have even more authority to be able to say that because liberals are so angry. They even threatened, uh, Governor Cuomo threatened to sue. No, I'm sorry, not Governor Cuomo. Um, the mayor of New York City, de Blasio. De Blasio threatened to sue if President Trump goes forward with dumping illegal aliens in sanctuary cities. So you know what, he, what they could do? Instead of wasting millions of dollars filing lawsuits against the president and the attorney general of the United States and the Department of Homeland Security and the secretary of DHS, they could simply remove the sanctuary city status. If you said, uh, you know what, he can't dump people here. We're not going to be a sanctuary city. That would suddenly mean you're no longer on the list where people are going to get dropped off. Right? Yeah. A little bit of logic there. It's so logical it hurts. All right. It's my pleasure to welcome good friend of the show and author. Uh, he's, he was a colonel, lieutenant colonel, I think, in the Army National Guard. 
Um, he's he's kind of scary in a uniform, but that's in a good way. Scary good, not scary bad. Kurt Schlichter, thanks for joining the show today. Hi, how are you? And it's full colonel. Yeah, okay, full colonel. Sorry about that. <laughs> you know what? I actually thought I said full colonel, then I said lieutenant colonel. You know what? You're one of those ones. You what? You were. I had more fun as a lieutenant colonel. Of course you did. But I'm, I, I think it's pretty awesome that you did that. And while you were doing that, you were also practicing the law. Because what I've heard is you'll cut somebody in the courtroom is what I've heard. You, that you actually I will. are. I, yeah. will, uh, yeah. I will take them down. <laughs> I love it. So it's always good to have friends who not only served in the military and are scary in a uniform, but also can tear you up in a courtroom. It's good to have friends like that, right? Well, you know, I... I try to make a difference, usually for the worst. <laughs> all right, so speaking of making a difference for the worst, I wanted your take on two things. First of all, Mueller report, redacted though it may be, is incoming, less than 24 hours. What are you expecting here, Kurt? I'm not expecting that much. Uh, I, I think, I think uh, Attorney General Barr probably characterized it pretty accurately. I think he'd be a fool not to have, and it doesn't seem like he's that kind of guy. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, I I think they'll make a giant thing of it. Some of the stuff has to be redacted because of classified material. Uh, Some of it has to be redacted because it's grand jury stuff. Some of it has to be redacted because there are third parties' privacy involved. I mean, when you're investigating someone, you don't want to put out all their findings if they're not going to be indicted. Uh, and they will say, aha, look what's gone. Look what's not there. Look what's been cut out. Uh, the truth's in there somewhere. Hmm. All right. So you kind of are in the same vein as me. I think it's going to be Nothing Burger Part 2. And the reason I say that, um, I'll just give my little reasoning, and it's pretty simple. There is no there there. The president has maintained his innocence on the charge of collusion and obstruction of justice from day one. There really was no legitimate um, like proof for anything other than the dossier, which was a baked up piece of nothing. And so here we are, two years later, multiple tens of millions of dollars of taxpayer money wasted, and the Democrats are really disappointed, as they should be. But instead of embarrassment, we're seeing them doubling down like there's going to be something amazing tomorrow, and there isn't. You know, they're super sad that the president isn't Trump. Uh, the president isn't uh, Vladimir Putin's puppet. They're, like, upset about that, which I find kind of remarkable. They should be, okay, well, all right, great. Our president is not a, a giant treason traitor of treachery. Yeah. So they're sad. Then I'll tell like you about something... what they're really after. What, what do they want? Uh, they want their power back the power that the American people took from them because they were using it poorly, uh, because they were using it for their own benefit, because they weren't taking care of normal Americans, because they didn't care about anybody who didn't live within 20 miles of a college or 20 miles of a coast. So what is the, uh, and I know some of the answer, but I think when listeners are listening to us discuss this, one of the, the reactions that I feel like people are having, because it's my reaction too, is when do they get held accountable for this? Other than the fact that like CNN's ratings are completely obliterated, people are punishing them by not watching them. Um, oh, other than that, what other, like, do you think this is going to carry into 2020 with the presidential election and, and of course, down ballot races? I, I think they've, uh, I, I think about normal people who kind of, uh, kind of expected our uh, ruling class to behave in a, uh, a decent and, you know, non-self-interested way have gotten uh, awakened by what's happening. And, they, and, and, and the people who are in charge have really shown themselves to be incompetent and greedy and not particularly bright. It's, uh, I, I think they have done tremendous damage to their own credibility. I'm hoping that doesn't rub off on people's uh, uh, respect for the Constitution, simply because a bunch of people in power abused it. But it is going to be an issue in 2020. I I don't think it'll be a direct issue, but I think it'll always be in the background. Hey, remember, these are the same uh, guys who chased their tail for two years, uh, talking about Trump. 
treason collusion. And there was nothing there, and now they want us to trust them with power again. And maybe that's not a great idea. But I think it's yeah. going to hurt them. I, I do, too. I just I don't know how tangible it's going to be because it's they kind of drug it out, and they really had the best timing because had this same revelation happened in uh, October of November last year, Republicans would have held the House. I, I sincerely believe that. Um, but I, I think there is going to be some backlash in 2020. It's just going to be difficult to measure how much of it comes from uh, they're lying about the Mueller investigation. So let's pivot over to immigration. You've seen some pretty fantastic moves by the president over the last couple of days. He basically called their bluff and said, if you love sanctuary city status so much, you're going to take all of the illegal aliens who are coming and applying for asylum, the ones we have to release into the country, we're going to ship them directly to you. And I've never heard the liberals wail so loudly. What, what else do you think the president It is pretty hilarious. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing is, a, is, like most of the things they say, a lie and a scam. They want to virtue signal, and they want to put the cost on people who don't live within 20 miles of the coast, don't live within 20 miles of a college. You know, I, I, I live on the beach in Los Angeles. Do you think there are a lot of illegal aliens in my neighborhood? There are not. The liberals who surround me, heck, I'm in Ted Lou's district, would not tolerate it. But everybody else has to live with the problems created by uncontrolled illegal immigration, including crime, uh, uh, problems with social services, and just kind of the disruption that comes along with bringing in people who are not, in, in many cases, not interested in assimilating. They're, they're here to work for a while and then leave, um, uh, many of them. So they have no investment in our communities. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really easy to say, oh, you know, immigrants, immigra- you know, illegal immigrants are wonderful. Let's embrace them. But when you actually have to embrace them, you know, like, like share tweeted. Cher had previously tweeted, they're welcome in my house. And then suddenly the president says, well, okay, I'm sending them over. So, oh, no, you can't do that. It was always a lie and a scam. And it's always nice. You know, that's the incredible thing about Donald Trump. Of all the people on earth, it's Donald Trump who forces people to reveal themselves as to what they really are. And they're hypocrites. So let's talk about the... The, the next development, which is A.G. Barr overruling the court decision, making asylum seekers eligible for release on bond. I think this is brilliant. I'm wondering why, what took them so long. Maybe it's because they just now have A.G. Barr unleashed and able to do anything. Um, what, what, what exactly happens next now that they can't just bond them out and let them go anywhere they want? I think, uh, I, I think we're going to have a lot of them. I, I think people will stop being incentivized to come over the border when they realize, no, you don't get a free pass into the USA where you can go and disappear. Uh, unfortunately, they will drag their children along because if you have children, you know, you, you, you get to. You don't get to be held for more than 20 days, which I think is ridiculous. I think they should hold everybody. Actually, I, I think they should stop. You know, what, what happens if they get an initial screening? Do you have a credible fear of prosecution? They all repeat the same words, and it's all a lie. Yeah, they read Every it from time. a piece of paper, right? Because that, that was what it, the part exactly. that shocked me. And yeah. we should stop. You know, it, it destroys respect, among other problems, or it destroys respect for law when everybody knows there's a scam going on, when there's a grift happening, when we're being conned, which is what this is. And we should stop pretending, and we should say, nah, you're, you came up here from Honduras, and you don't have a credible uh, fear of persecution. Uh I'm, I'm taking you to the border, and I'm throwing you across. And I think we need to do that. So, well, you're right. It, it's not applying to families. Flores' decision still applies there. But anyone who passes the border and, not, and basically crosses illegally, who applies and uses the credible fear thing, um, will be transferred to a full deportation hearing, and they will be ineligible for release on bond. And this Sounds takes effect in me. 90 days. Yeah, I like it, but I, I wish it applied to everybody. Like, I'm trying to well, figure out I, how I to do Well, I do, too. That. And the, the other thing I would do is I would refuse to accept an asylum application from anybody who didn't appear at a consulate or at a border station. This, this nonsense about dragging kids through the desert and then when you're caught 20 miles inland in mid-Arizona saying, oh, well, we're seeking asylum. 
they're killing kids. They're hurting kids. And liberals are willing to tolerate it, but I'm sick of this collateral damage. You know? I, I am too. I, I mean, it's really sad. It's one of the saddest things we ever have to deal with when, when you think about it. It's knowing that kids are being abused, sexually trafficked. Um, some of them are abandoned once the, the adults get across because they're not, they're not related to them. So they don't have any reason to take care of them once they get in the country. And this is happening to kids because we have laws that don't make sense. Well, and everybody knows they don't make sense. And the, the fact is the Democrats want to replace uh, American citizens with pliable foreigners. They're hoping that these illegals will come in and, and vote Democrat. And, you know, I, it's funny. You remember that old Ted Cruz ad where they talked, where it showed, you know, a bunch of lawyers and movie producers coming over the border. And if it was lawyers and movie producers coming over the border, well, you would see those Democrats being immigration hawks overnight. They don't pay the price for what they invite. And that's, again, that goes back to the genius of, well, I'm sending them to the sanctuary cities. Yes, the people who, you know, people who do something should pay the costs for it. So when you talk about paying the cost, that actually would negatively impact you, Kurt Schlichter, because you, as you said, you live in Ted Lou's district. You live in a sanctuary state, in a sanctuary city, sanctuary state, sanctuary county. You're surrounded. Um, I, I've never seen people reverse course so quickly, though. I And I know, because I talked about this on the show a couple of times, I've brought this up, but I'm still surprised and I'm hard to shock. I'm shocked and surprised by how quickly Democrats were using words like pestilence and, uh, you know, rapist criminals, the kinds of characterizations that they said made Donald Trump a racist. They went straight to those and started using them with impunity about the same group of people that they just a few days ago said needed to be here. Well, you know, among the among illegal aliens, there are criminals, rapists, drug dealers, murderers. Uh, there are also people who just want a job. You know, we we should be honest about what there is, and and that's the problem with the Democrats. They haven't been honest. They refuse to recognize the costs imposed on other people because, again, it's until now it's never been their neighborhood. And, you know, that's what Donald Trump, that was Donald Trump's sin. He said, wait a minute, all legal aliens are not okay. And that's just a fact. No group of any human beings is all okay. But, you know, again, as as liberals wish to do, uh, they lie and they attempt to silence debate. And and the the great thing about Donald Trump is he just doesn't care. He just doesn't care. He's going to say it anyway. You can't say any. You can't say any illegal aliens ever been a criminal. Yeah, some are criminals. What? <laughs> so, Kurt, what what happens now? Do you see him making good on the the threat? Because I think the only way this works is if they actually have to experience it. If some of the illegal aliens who have to be released, the family units, the ones that we can't do anything about, if some of them are shipped to San Francisco and and New York and places like that, Vermont. Unless they're shipped there, really, this was an exercise in futility because the, the reversal of the sanctuary city status would be the most logical way to stop President Trump from doing this. It's just no longer. Well, they'll, being they'll a never city. do that. They'll just complain about having to actually put their money where their mouth is. I don't know if Donald Trump's going to do it. I, I hope he does. I'm sure some Hawaiian judge will issue an injunction uh, because, you know, finding a constitutional right for people who shouldn't be in the country to be wherever they want inside the country. But, uh, you know, I I think slowly but surely he's going to make progress. He's going to put more military down the border. He's slowly building the wall. He's slowly changing the administrative stuff like uh, 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 A.G. Barr did. You know, he's not a dictator. He can't do things overnight. He can't change the law overnight. And he's got a lot of judges to fight. But slowly but surely, if you keep pushing, the situation's unsustainable. Mm. meaning it won't be sustained. He's going to win in the long run. I think we just have to, you know, as much as it annoys me, be patient. Ah, well, we will, because we have no other choice. Kurt Schlichter, thank you for joining the show today. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Sure, we'll talk again soon. We'll be back with more Stacey on the Right right after this. Stay there.
What or who motivates you to live and do life? Whether it's the motivation of your business or being healthy and fit, many times the why behind many individuals' determination is because of their children or grandchildren or even a spouse. Their primary why is because of a fallible being instead of Jesus. I know you're probably saying victory. I'm sure Jesus is a reason too, but Jesus should be the only reason for our whys in life. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 37, if you love your father, mother, son, or daughter more than him, then you are not worthy of being his. But if we give up our life for him, we will find life in him. It is only because of him we can do the things he has enabled us to do. Have your why be because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross for you. With a heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Victory Hollyfield. Connect with us more at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Coming next week on The Dwelling Place. Pastor Al Pittman continues to walk us through the Bible line by line and verse by verse to let God show us just how timeless His truth is. That's next week on The Dwelling Place. There are many ways you can listen to the shows of Urban Family Talk. One of those ways is through our very own app. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android, just go to the App Store and search for Urban Family Talk. You'll have immediate access to 24-hour programming as well as the podcast for each show. You'll be able to tune in no matter where you are. Speaking of tuning in, we have our own channel on another radio app called Tune In. Cool, right? Urban Family Talk is everywhere. Just download the app and take us wherever you go. Life is never picture perfect. Human beings come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and abilities. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we think we're prepared, the unplanned happens all the time. It's how we respond to the unexpected that shows our true humanity. But many do not see the value of every human life. Too many are willing to discard those who don't fit the picture of perfection. Abortion destroys the chance to love and to be loved. We never know what will fill the frames of our lives or how empty those frames can be when we allow exceptions. Every life is a gift. Learn more at www.radiance.life. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Aside, after hearing the comments from the governor of New York signing a bill and the governor of Virginia, but they stayed silent. Later today, they will leave and go on their retreat. They have many speakers. They've invited celebrities not to perform but to tell them what the values of hardworking Americans are. I have one question for the Democrats after 100 days. What have you accomplished? Name me one problem you have solved because of the direction of the new radical resistance and resolutions is not the direction America wants. America deserves better. If you look at this first 100 days, it's been 100 days of failure under Speaker Pelosi. Failure to address the real problems that the American people elected all of us to confront. Failure to do one of the most basic things, failure to do a budget. The law actually says that Congress has to pass a budget by April 15th. As families all across the country are working on their taxes, many of them actually seeing more money in their paychecks because of the work that we did to cut taxes. And uh, that that's just what some truth telling that we're having to listen to there. I'm I honestly I love the fact that they're pointing that out the House Republicans and they held this, you know, really it was tongue in cheek and it was kind of it was crushing for the Democrats in some ways. This 100 days of Democrat disappointment press conference. 
But the Democrats aren't really interested in passing laws or legislation or, or making changes in the lives of Americans. They're just interested in running and getting more power. Um, so, you know, whatever. Uh, welcome back to the program. So President Trump is sending thousands of troops to the U.S. border. The new report out today suggests that President Trump should be sending, he's going to be sending as many as 10,000 troops to the border over the next few months. It could be closer to 3,000 troops. Either way, it looks like the president is trying to get some military help. And I, I'm, I'm excited about this because it, it signals a change in direction. He's no longer only waiting on legislation to help with the problem. He's going to use U.S. Army North, which is the unit that's currently overseeing the border mission. And they've actually drafted deployment orders in anticipation of a new request from Homeland Security to aid U.S. Customs and Border Protection in the ongoing joint agency border mission. Now, four Defense Department sources told Newsweek that the document appears to show between 9,000 and 10,000 more U.S. forces headed to the southwest border in the next few months. However, the Pentagon said on Tuesday the document is misleading as not every individual service member in a unit selected to deploy will go. Now, we've talked about this before. We do not have, um, like, they don't say to a, a specific unit, we're deploying you to this place, like the southern border, and then every person in the unit goes because not every person would be suitable to serve at the southern border. So they will only pick people that are in the MOSs or, you know, basically their job descriptions match up with something that can be used down there or their combat roles match up with something that can be used down at the southern border. And that's everywhere they do a deployment. Often they'll fix it so that it's a rolling deployment so everyone has a chance to go, but not everyone is deployed at the same time because whatever their mission is at their home base still has to be accomplished even though they're deploying people. So they'll pull you know, a certain number of individuals from each unit and deploy them, and they'll be there for 12 months, 18 months, 6 months, whatever the deployment length is. And then they'll rotate back home and new ones will rotate in and they'll be rotating in from different units across the country. Sometimes units that are deployed abroad that have ended their mission when they return after a suitable period of time, they'll be mixed in as well. So this is uh, the urgency that we're seeing from the president to address the crisis at the southern border. That is exactly what we're seeing here. It's the execution of that. Four Defense Department sources told Newsweek that the document appears to show between nine and 10,000 more U.S. forces headed over to the southwest border. Uh, but the Pentagon is going to, you know, kind of keep tabs on that. Like Newsweek and other places that are reporting on this will have to kind of go back to them to get updates. Now, U.S. military planners are anticipating sending a brigade minus or about 3,000 additional U.S. forces to join units already at the border. But the Pentagon emailed Newsweek, a reporter at Newsweek, on Tuesday saying the number is not 3,000. And the draft copy um, was the information that they received. So it's, not, it's definitely not 3,000. And that it's a much smaller number between 300 and 500. So in my mind, all this points out is, first of all, they're speculating. They don't know exactly how many people are going to be deployed. That's number one. And number two the military is never going to tell them exactly how many people are being deployed. They keep those kinds of numbers close to the vest because they don't want there to be uh, basically knowledge out there and insinuation that by moving that number of troops from this location to that, you're leaving a huge hole over here. So the best way to counteract that kind of thinking is to not permit anyone to move um, to have accurate numbers of who's being moved. So the numbers are not accurate. And that's perfectly fine. Like, I, I think best things to do is just wait and see what happens. Whether they're moving three to 500 or they're moving three to 5,000, whatever the case is, I think the president has a good grip on what he's trying to do. The strategy is clearly changing, and I can't wait to see what else unfolds. Um, so I want to get a couple more things out uh, news story-wise. And one of them is that... so. If you're not aware, Morehouse College is a historically black college and university in HBCU. It's the only all-male black college in the entire country. And they previous till just recently, um, until just recently, they were known for turning out high-quality graduates who went on to become very successful and very philanthropically minded, who then would go back and 
they would be, you know, upper class guys who are working these wonderful jobs, married with families, but they would also be reaching back into their community where they grew up or where they came from or a disadvantaged community near where they lived. And they would start organizations for mentoring and things like that. Well, now you've got them saying that if a woman is transgendered, not, not that she's had the surgery already, but that she's just transgendered. If she is, she's actually going to be um, sent through and she can attend Morehouse. And I say she because if a person is living as a man, at the DNA level, they're still a man or they're still a woman. If you're a woman and you're living as a man, you're still a woman. If you're a man and you're living as a woman, you're still a man at the DNA level. And if you haven't even had any of the surgeries, basically you're just playing dress up. So they're going to obliterate this tradition. I think it's 100 years plus or something close to that of Morehouse being an all-male college. Now they're going to let women in there. I mean, it just you. sometimes you just think to yourself, what else can they destroy? And they're like, hold my beer. I got, I got other stuff I can destroy. We'll do it. So there's that story. And it's kind of depressing, but, you know, prayers up for that. Just pray and, and go on uh, the best that we can. The other story that I thought was just, it's, I even mentioned it during the interview with Kurt Schlichter. It's such comeuppance. CNN loses nearly 50% of their primetime audience and MSNBC is down nearly 30%. Now, in my mind, this is not just the loss of the audience, but think about the advertisers who currently pay premiums to have their content, you know, interspersed in these programs. And if you think about it, isn't turnabout fair play? Doesn't God say vengeance is mine, I will repay? They did all of those campaigns against Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, uh, Tucker Carlson, and others, and other radio hosts. And they took away the advertisers. And then they were saying, oh, we're going to drive you off the air. Well, those people are still on the air. They might have reduced advertising, but they're still on the air. Meanwhile, CNN, they have to be having some pretty tough conversations. Can you imagine those meetings? They have to be brutal. Uh, people sitting around talking about, Who's all going to be cut or pay cuts or airtime cuts? The contributors, you know, the, the contributors, that's extra gravy. The mon- extra money they have, they spend on those because they're talking heads that they can rely on and tap to come on four and five and ten times in one week. And it's fun and the contributor pays awesome, but they have a huge stable of those guys. They're going to they're gonna have to cut something. So here's the numbers. Compared to this same week last year, CNN has lost a jaw-dropping 47% of their primetime audience and 40% of their total day viewers. TV News reports that this is CNN's worst week in primetime all year. MSNBC did not fare all that much better. During primetime, the left-wing outlet lost 28% of their viewers. Throughout the total day, MSNBC was down 20%. For those who believe this ratings drop has nothing to do with MSNBC and CNN being exposed after two years of deliberately lying and publishing a hoax about President Trump, look at Fox News. Fox has lost 8% of their primetime viewers and 12% of total day viewers. So comparatively speaking, a drop in the bucket. They've still lost some, but I think it's also because people who were just waiting on the Mueller report, just waiting on either vindication or conviction, they're, the the reason they were watching has now evaporated. And so they've gone back to their regular lives. But 12%, that's, that's something that you kind of look at and you say, okay, well, we can win them back when heavy news cycles appear. Like when there's heavy news, those people will come back to like, what's going on? Let me watch these shows. But 47%, that means people are angry. They feel like they've been hoodwinked. They don't like what they heard. Uh, they don't like the fact that they were told one thing and it turned out to be another. So, I don't know. Um, Both of the outlets spent two years lying to the American people. And that's not all of the bad news. The advertisers covet the age demo of 25 to 54. CNN lost 52% of total day viewers. And even more incredibly, 58% of their primetime viewers in that coveted age bracket of 25 to 54. 
MSNBC lost 43% of their total day 25 to 54 viewers and 48% of their primetime 20 or 25 to 54. I said 28, 25 to 54 viewers. So people between the ages of 25 and 54 are the most coveted age group of viewers. And these two networks are just dropping those literally by the, the ton. Um, so Fox News was number one in all of cable with 2.43 million primetime viewers. And MSNBC was a distant second with 1.6 million. And CNN dropped to a humiliating 15th place. They had 690,000 average primetime viewers. We are now looking at them like they're, well, that, that, that's, that's not CNN. It's not the CNN of James Earl Jones, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so Fox News has always had a bigger audience, um, but they've been able to hold on to almost all of theirs post Miller report because they didn't spend two years conning the audience into thinking that the president was a Russian spy and that there was going to be impeachment. Now, I know there are some other issues, and I've seen people in the comments talking about how they, you know, they don't like this and that about Fox. And I always feel comfortable calling uh, Shep Smith on the carpet because he does tend to be really far outside of what mainstream Fox News viewers like to see and hear on that network. But that being said, you know, uh, everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows what his, his, his ideals are. People know why he's there, fair and balanced. So he's on the other side, completely other side. But to see that kind of drop uh, 15, down to 15th place, I mean, do, do y'all just, can you just for a second just stop and think about back when Lynn Vaughn and Bobby Batista were the two anchors of CNN and they would bring us reporting from the Middle East and what, you know, Bosnia, what, what it was then the Yugoslavia, you know, all of these, all these parts of the world that Americans would never get to. They would bring live reports. The reporters would be on the ground and they would be talking to Lynn Vaughn and Bobby Batista whenever they were on. And it was real news. It was breaking international news how far they have fallen. And I say that not gleefully. I mean, it is nice to see them get some comeuppance, but I, I long for the days when CNN would return to that kind of hard-hitting news organization that cared nothing about the politics or ideological bent and went for the news, went for the stories, the reporting, breaking real news. They haven't broken any real news in probably 15 years. Pretty amazing. Hmm. More people are watching the Disney Channel. <laughs> All right. That's our one of the program. Thank you so much for being with us. If you're leaving us now, God bless from the heartland. If you're sticking around, onenewsnow.com. News and information is up next. It's coming at you. Stay there.